Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters. And today I'm bringing to you the second half of a conversation that I had with Jackie Neblett. And we talked in this this particular piece, in the second half, we talked a lot about symptoms and what was going on and why it was happening and what you can do about it and why we think the way we do about menopause. And I think this is a great conversation to really bring home some of the things that we that are important to know about menopause, and especially when you're younger and going into it. So for you, those of you who have uh, younger friends, younger cousins, younger sisters, next generation, please share this episode and help your friends understand why menopause is such an important change to us and have them go back to listen to last week to understand why menopause is really a gift. Enjoy the conversation. So you've got all this mood swing stuff going on, but there's also an endless list, it seems like, of all the sorts of um, other things that that can be going on. So it might not be that, that it's the mood swing. It might be, I don't know, she's having um, hot flashes or something, or the pelvic floor is starting to to go and she's almost had an accident or whatever it is. And now it's starting to, she's starting to feel like, oh, I, I don't know. Um, all these challenges with my body are, are going on, on top of the fact that those socks are in the, the middle of the, or in the living room. Whatever it is. It's like <laughs> I can only deal with everything that's going on with me. So the obviously hot flashes and um what's the other thing? Brain fog are usually the ones that people talk about. Yeah. Mostly. So there's quite, a, there's quite a few things. So hot flashes are often not always, but often, more often than not, low, the symptoms of low estrogen. And there are ways to, I teach my clients how to stop a hot flash in, in its tracks. And, um, but then we start supporting our bodies. We, we, we start with the, the quote tips and tricks. And I do that around sleep and I do that around hot flashes. I do that around weight loss. We do we do the the easy stuff, and then we start bringing the hormones back into balance so that they're not as obnoxious. I still I still sleep hot, um, and every once in a while I will wake up with a with a raging hot flash at night, night sweats, and my. I have an air conditioner in my room. It stays at 65 year round. Um, and I live in Louisiana, so it doesn't get much colder than that at night. Yeah. But we learn the tricks to, to deal with it. And then we learn to support our bodies as best we can. Um, if you still have ovaries, your ovaries are going to do a bit of residual estrogen and progesterone production for the rest of your life body fat especially that ugly belly fat, which I, you know 
actually produces a bit of estrogen for you for life. So when I'm talking to women about weight loss, I'm talking about let that extra little bit of not not a lot. You don't need to you know <laughs> you don't need to carry twenty extra pounds, but if you're carrying five extra pounds and it, it and it's sitting on or around that belly, that's okay. That's not a bad that's not a terribly bad thing because it's going to be helping you produce some estrogen. Then the rest of your residuals come from your adrenals and. Most of your residuals come from your adrenal glands, but your adrenal glands are also uh, producing cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and all of that, the testosterone-related hormones. So if your adrenals are always pumping out cortisol on a regular basis and they're pr pumping out epinephrine, on a semi-regular basis. Now, norepinephrine is, is, epinephrine is the fright. Norepinephrine is the excitement. So it's, they feel a lot alike, but if you're on a roller coaster and you like roller coasters, it'll be norepinephrine that's, that's coming out. If you see the snake in the road and, and you're not big on snakes, I'm not, um, it's going to be epinephrine that's creating that initial burst. AKA, I'm not sure which you guys are. I, I know you're in the UK. Adrenaline and noradrenaline are the same, same things. They're two names for the same substances. Um, and then cortisol. Cortisol will be produced first because of the wake sleep cycle. If you don't have enough cortisol, you, you don't wake up. It's so it's actually life threatening because you won't wake up and eat and drink and all that kind of stuff. Nor epinephrine, epinephrine would be the next, or adrenaline would be the next most on the priority list. Estrogen and progesterone are way down on the priority list, so they won't won't be produced by your adrenals, and in fact the precursors are directly related to progesterone. So you won't get progesterone at all unless you're, you're supporting your body in staying de-stressed. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. it's just though, when you get to this stage, is it just a constant um, need to keep this in balance? Yeah. Like for the rest of your days? Yeah, but it's not that hard. You're, I'm getting the luck. <laughs> so it's a matter of finding finding what works for you. So in terms of diet, what's what diet and supplementation do you need? Right? What exercise modalities do you need? Not just to keep your body healthy, but to help balance your your hormones because too much either too much exercise will send your cortisol levels up so if your cortisol levels are already up then mm. <laughs> you got to take your exercise down a notch does that make sense yeah and that that's especially true of like marathon level uh cardio um competitive level weightlifting yoga and, and pilates don't seem to to have that same even even like a bikram yoga not is it bikram bikram's that's the hot one isn't it that's the hot one i'm thinking about the strong one Ash ashtanga <laughs> ashtanga yeah the ashtanga yoga yoga even that is not not as bad not as cortisol boosting as like really lifting heavy super heavy you know mm -hmm. three to five reps uh of a of a weight and you can't do anymore um so it's finding that balance finding exercise that you like so it's not stressful just to go get to the gym mm -hmm. so if you a lot of my women i a lot of the women i work with i start with dancing and i start in their own their own living rooms 
and they say, go find the the cable channel with the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, whatever, whatever it's you. Okay, I'm the... I put on the 60s music, most of them put on the 80s or 90s music. And, mm. and they get out there and they dance and they have a blast because it's fun. And then they can they can take a break and nobody has to be home. They can do it when they're home alone or they can get their kids to join in. I've got I've had I've had people who would said their four-year-old is just, or their grandchild is just enamored with this new dance thing they're doing because they're having fun. Yeah. So stress management, that's probably the hardest to remember to do, but the easiest to do because taking your stress down is often just a matter of breathing. And reminding yourself that this won't last forever. Even when it feels like it does. Like mm. and, and I mean, at whatever situation it is, will not last forever. Because once you're de-stressed, you have, have an opportunity to think about changing it. You're, you're not stuck in that, I'm stuck here forever thought, which is a stress-inducing thought. And finally, sleep. Sleep is, um, the problem with sleep is I call it the hormonal death spiral, uh, hormonal sleep death spiral, because not sleeping well creates hormonal imbalance, creates not sleeping well, creates hormonal imbalance. It's it's a death spiral. It, it'll take you down. And so we work with sleep, learning to sleep better. Because you can teach yourself to sleep. It's wild. <laughs> I will say that even if, I, though I got up at four thirty this morning because I couldn't sleep, <laughs> some days it happens. Okay, so maybe they should get rid of this word, the change, and you're on the change because you don't actually ever end. You don't actually arrive at the change. You just have to keep adjusting to. Did you ever not change? From the time... What did they call it, the change, then? Because it is a big change. <laughs> yeah. But we we change all our lives. We do. We are a never-ending journey from birth to wherever wherever we go next. Yeah. And so this change is particularly... Um, disruptive it's monumental and we do continue on with um on with the journey and the journey is amazing i am 68 i still run um i i stopped running half marathons um never ran marathons just because i i'm really slow and i can't I don't have time to train for them, <laughs> but I still run uh, relay races. And so I'll go out and, and run with a team of 12 runners and we'll run for 36 hours straight, believe it or not. It's a, this, is, this isn't a track relay. I still go kayaking. I still go climbing. I still, I take my son and my grandson to the climbing gym. Um, oh, I still ski. I still I'm out there doing stuff yeah. because I recognize how, how much I have available to me. Now I'm lucky. I have good genetics and I have a, have a body that I have not destroyed too many times. Um, so I am in pretty good shape. I've decided to be in pretty good shape, but that's what, Lead, gives me the opportunity to just really take advantage of, of what life has to offer at this time. So what would you say to the women who feel, because I think maybe there's a sense of loss at this time, that you're, you're losing something? Yeah. So part of that is societal. Um. I was talking about this with somebody else the other day and 
when we go through puberty and we have our first period, even back when I was um, going through it, which was, you know, long time ago. And it is, it was not unusual to hear someone say, now you are a woman. Yeah. It's more common now, now, now we actually celebrate when girls achievement arc and we get that message that now you're a woman. So now the period stop. Are you, a, are, what are you? A, yeah. <laughs> a grapefruit? <laughs> a three-toads law? I don't know. What are you? You're still a woman. No, you are still this amazing person. And now you have this opportunity to be whoever you decide to be. It's a West, very much a Western thing. So um, since this is video, behind my right shoulder is a crown. And the reason there's a crown back there is to remind me every day that the word crone, which has become, you know, synonymous with hags, synonymous yeah. with old, synonymous with dead, nasty, evil, yeah. Snow White's stepmother, whatever, comes from the same root word as crown. Oh. This is the crowning of our lives. We get to be the wise elder of our of our world our tribe our friends women still want to be the maidens they still want to be why why you can't wear white pants because <laughs> they're beautiful and they're yeah so so that's that's disney thank you disney <laughs> disney did that to us because actually the grim brothers started it but Disney really helped. Um, so this is a story I tell about the time I, when I was three. And because that's when Snow White came around again to the theaters. And it was the first time I'd ever gone to a movie. My mother took myself and my brother. And I was three. And, and back then you still got dressed up to go to the movies. And I thought I was so grown up. So I had my favorite pink dress on and I could I sat back in these big scratchy velvet uh theater seats and my legs were sticking out straight in front of me and the curtains closed after they showed the the free stuff which was all in black and white including um you know the the news reels and and maybe a cartoon Anyway, they closed the curtains and then they opened them up again. And there on the screen was a beautiful maiden singing and dancing through the forest with her little forest friends, the bunny and the squirrel and the chipmunk. And it was oh so lovely. And then the next scene comes on. And this imperious queen, who was really quite gorgeous, comes on the screen and she goes, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? The mirror replies, you, my queen, have a beauty quite rare, but little Snow White is a thousand times more fair. Yeah. <laughs> and the queen flies into a rage, runs to her laboratory, Mixes up a potion to put into the apples. Then she mixes another potion and drinks it. And she turns instantly into a hag. I contend that this or one of the other Disney movies was our first subliminal message of menopause. Because what we saw was the woman whose beauty had been amazing up until that point was told she was no longer beautiful. And she was instantly transformed into a hag. 
Mm. And she was told that the teenager was way more beautiful and way more valuable than she was. Other cultures don't put women in a box and say, back on the shelf, you ugly old hag. They don't do it in Japan. They don't do it in India. They don't do it in most of the native cultures in, in the Americas. Women are revered for their knowledge and their wisdom and their love. And the youth culture in Europe, the UK, America, the US, Canada, has taken over so much so that, and it's generational, it didn't start with us, didn't start, probably didn't start with maybe my grandparents back in the late, who were born in the late 1800s. And we've really, we need to reclaim in so many ways our own crownhood, our own crowning, and stop letting society dictate it to us. We've done well in terms of those years between the time we hit puberty and the time we hit menopause. But we haven't gotten to this point yet. We're starting. It's so much better than 20 years ago when I went through it. And programs like this are part of what allows us to be amazing, amazing human beings. And it starts allowing women to step out into the business world and the political world and say, I am here. I am contributing. Don't put me in a, on a box and in a box on the shelf. I am still here. Now we, t- 20 years ago, we didn't see Meryl Streep and Glenn Close and Helen Mirren and Jessica Tandy on the big screen. And now these women are icons. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. My heroes. They are truly here. Now, yeah. Okay. They they have the ways to go in and, and get all the all the Botox and all that. Yeah. But if you see some of them, they're coming out and saying, I am beautiful. I am amazing just the way I am. Even though, yes, they do take care of themselves and they have the money to. But yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> They've got the trainers and the dietitians and the, the people who do their sort of bidding. Yeah, but we can make make better choices for ourselves. And as you said, the more the sooner we start making those choices, the the better it becomes. Because if we make those choices in our 20s and 30s, to take care of ourselves and say, okay, this is taking care of me is taking care of everybody else in my circle. Then we get to our late forties in better shape and we get it into our fifties and sixties and seventies and beyond in better shape and more able to take advantage of who we are right now. Ladies, do the holidays feel more hectic than heartwarming? Are menopausal changes adding to your stress? You're not alone. Join me for Holiday Harmony, Balancing Menopause and Merriment, a transformative workshop designed just for you. In this 60-minute session, we'll uncover the secrets to managing menopause symptoms with ease. Discover how to maintain hormonal balance even amidst the holiday hustle. Learn stress-busting techniques that work wonders for your well-being. Say goodbye to overwhelming holiday stress and hello to joyful, menopause-friendly celebrations. 
let's redefine the festive season together. Reserve your spot at menopause.guru slash holiday. Do it today and embrace a harmonious holiday season. That link is in the show notes. See you soon. So what would your message be to a woman who is in her sort of, say, late 20s, late 20s, late 20s, early 30s? What would you say to her now pre this disruption? (laughs) I would say, get my book. (laughs) And the reason I say get my book is that I've taken the time to explain in a fairly simplistic manner what's actually happening in our bodies and how it affects us. So understand what's coming. Understand that this is going to start hitting you in your late 30s or early 40s, and that it's going to go on for a long time. Number two, take care of yourself. Find the time, whatever it takes to make your brain say, okay, I have to I have to make it carve out time for for me to stay well and and in shape, in shape. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be a size two, but that means that I have to know that my body can do what it needs to do. I didn't, I didn't take care of myself. And I regretted it because it took four long years to get myself to where I wanted to be. And it, it took a lot of work. So make sure your diet supports you. Nobody is going to tell you the right things to eat. In fact, on television every day, you're going to see sugar and fat, unhealthy fats and snack foods and too much salt and too much. You don't see the advertisements for the good food. Yeah. So Take care and presumably, sorry, it it what is a good diet changes per person? Yes. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. So yeah. what you need is dependent on who you are, genetically, historically, um, socially, emotionally, all those ways, spiritually. I have friends who are spiritual vegans. They do not eat animal products by philosophy. I would, I can't do it. My yeah. body, my body says, you must, you need this. And my personal philosophy has a more, uh, what goes around comes around kind of philosophy that says we are part of a world, a world that in which some people, some animals eat meat and humans are part of that. Um, some people need, need to intermittent fast. Some people need to eat five meals a day. Some people need those comfort foods and they need to find what those comfort foods are that work for them and don't throw them off track. Some people need to eat really clean all the time. Otherwise it just, spirals out of control for them so yes diet exercise stress management all of those things are all very individual and learning what works for you is part of it so you're in your 20s and you're trying to get a washboard stomach and all that kind of stuff and and being as fit as possible and so you're on that kind of trajectory And so the gym and uh, maybe not eating much so you can stay sort of true. Yeah, that size two thing, size zero thing. No. A lot lot of women are there. So when you start going into sort of the perimenopause type years, Uh what would you then say to those women? Because they might still be in that mindset of I need to be. They are. And, and, and that's why I don't, I, I hope that we stop being in that mindset when we're in our twenties, the washboard abs and the, and the size two, 
because we don't need that to be healthy. We don't need to be able to run a marathon to be healthy. We may need to be able to walk two or three miles, but, and we may like running marathons. Some people do. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Yeah. Nice some ultra marathoners actually, but yeah. Oh, I know. I have, I have one friend who is, who will probably be leaving on another 50 or 50 or a hundred miler in a few days, but not me, but what I would say to you is that as your body comes into this time of its life, it's the the range of things that it can take and still be healthy narrows. So those ultra ways of going about it, the size two, the size zero, the, the washboard abs, the uh, doing an ultra marathon, those may not be healthy anymore for you, as well as not doing anything, sitting on the couch and eating, um, you know, eating Doritos and sour cream and onion dip may not, you may not be able to stay healthy there either. So you, you know, the way it, it, it narrows, what can, the way that you can be healthy narrows a little bit sometimes a lot and so what you're going to want to do is figure figure out how to support you as you move through it make sense yeah yeah definitely and that's what i do i i help women devise their own unique plan even even in my group work where we're always saying what works for you Here's some options. What works for you? What, what, you know, if you don't eat a lot of high fiber veggies, what works for you to get those nutrients anyway? If you don't eat meat, what works for you to get the amount of protein you need, for example? Can we talk about that? So, these, all of these different symptoms that, that women have, if you bring it back to the diet and the exercise, that's the foundation for starting to remedy a lot. Absolutely. Like, could you, with the exercise, maybe knock out three or four of those symptoms? I think it's a, I think it's overall, it's, I, I start with sleep and stress even before yeah diet and exercise because those are even more important because we lower the cortisol get that out of the way allow the adrenals to do their work and then it's a matter of giving your body the the precursors it needs and supporting the muscle and the and all of the organs to work correctly through exercise um so it's it all works together um and if you come in in better shape, in in closer to the the middle range, you're it's going to be an easier transition for most women. Now, I can't say that no, you'll never need a hysterectomy if you do that. Um, you know, we don't know everything, and I'm a health coach, so I don't I don't come at this from a medical perspective. I come at this from a holistic worldview that says, you know, it goes back to, who was it? Heraclitus? No. Anyway, it was one of them Greeks. <laughs> You're not talking about Hippocrates, are you? Uh, let food be your medicine and medicine yeah. be your food. Yes, it's, it was it Hippocrates. I never, yeah. I'm like, Sophocles? No, no, he was. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready. We just. That's the problem with having a classical education. I did theater for years, for years in college, and I, and the the first Greeks oh, that come out are always that earlier. Yeah, yeah, are always the playwrights. Anyway, so you you start with the you start with the natural. You start with the supporting your body through the best means possible, and 
when a doctor says to you, let's do something radical, you say, why? What, what's going to be good about that radical? What's going to be good about taking out my uterus? What's going to be good about taking out my ovaries? They used to do this routinely. Um, in the 60s and 70s, med school, when somebody went into gynecological surgery as a specialty, they had a requirement to do so many hysterectomies with bilateral oophorectomies, or in other words, the the uterus, the cervix, and both ovaries to uh, under supervision to get their certification. So what would happen would be a woman would come in with heavy bleeding in in um, as part of her perimenopausal journey, and they would say, "Well, let's just do a do a hysterectomy." And then while they were under the twilight sleep, this is true. This is true. Under twilight sleep, before surgery, they would say, you don't need your ovaries anymore. Can, can we take them out? And they would have her sign. And she would come in, come out with no ovaries, no cervix, no uterus, which means that she has no residual hormones. And then they would put put her instantly on hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. They've stopped doing that to a large extent. But so careful. Yeah. Yeah. But I still talk to women who their doctor is recommending a hysterectomy because they're having heavy bleeding during perimenopause or even before. And it's just easy. Go, go, go get it taken out. When the truth is there are other ways of handling. it. So usually it's a, the reason that you get that heavy bleeding is you still have a lot of estrogen in your body. You may have a lot of phytoestrogens and xenoestrogens which we haven't talked about today we can yeah. i mean they're a whole conversation in themselves yeah. but xenos xenos come from products and they are uh literally mimicking estrogen in your body in terms of closing off the estrogen receptors and phytos are the ones that come from plants and actually do some good but the estrogen is high the progesterone is low and so you're having these massive bleeding periods and they're not fun. And they can go on for several months. But there are things to do. Number one, you can you can start to bring your hormones back in balance by cleansing yourself of those phytos and, and xenos and uh, using something called DIM, uh, which helps flush your system of, of excess estrogen. You can help yourself by using progesterone creams, uh, natural bioidentical progesterone creams, which will bring that progesterone up. You can take additional iron and um, high protein, especially like the, the fatty fish, the wild caught salmon and halibut and, and those kinds of fish to increase your body's ability to handle the the heavy bleeding, along with plenty of water. Um, there's a, there's a te uh, surgical technique called an ablation in which it's spelled with an A, and that takes out the lining of your uterus, so you're not bleeding as heavily. Now, the lining can regrow, but it usually doesn't because you're so close to menopause. It will make you infertile if you are younger and trying to get pregnant but so will a hysterectomy yeah <laughs> let's be honest so if they're taking a you know this it's a it's a lesser form of a, a less invasive form of surgery that can handle the problem if that problem is still a problem after a few months of supporting yourself through it so i'm actually helped women who said 
no, the last thing I want is a hysterectomy. I don't want them cutting me open and taking things out when there's other options to try first. So I've helped other women, women actually go through the three or four months that it took for them, that bleeding to stop and staying healthy through it. And I think part of the issue is we're in a sort of quick fix society and mindset. Yes. And so doing this longer work is it's quite a journey in itself. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I think it's understandable in some respects that um, I just haven't got time to be suffering like this when I've still got to be again back to doing all the other things. I still gotta go to work. I've still got to look after yeah. the kids. I've still got to do XYZ. I just haven't got the time to And that may be true. And it it also may be a t- story that that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. You know, it may be that that we do have time to uh, refocus and and say to, especially if we're in a relationship where we have a partner that can help, or even an ex relationship where the the ex partner can take over. I know. I and and I know that not everybody is there. Yeah. I I do get that. And I do get the fact that that I was lucky. I went through it when my son was already in college and he didn't have that. But then I spent six years with my mom who was very much like having a child. Yeah. 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 So do we have time? Some of us do, some of us don't. And I would never, I, I would never be the the person who said, don't go and I, I would be the person that said, rethink the hysterectomy, unless you are truly, there are some medical conditions, including cancer and endometriosis, which require a hysterectomy did, you know, it's dangerous to, to you. But a hysterectomy just to to clear up bad periods, maybe let's let's rethink yeah. that. Let's let's start somewhere else. But if you need that or drugs, um, pharmaceuticals for depression or ADD or whatever it is, if you need that to get through your day, do it. But as soon as you can support yourself through these more holistic means so that you can be, can really embrace your life. Yeah. And none, none of this needs to exist in a vacuum. Yeah. None of it needs to exist with separate from each other. So was was there anything that you actually wanted to say that but the conversation went in a different direction? <laughs> I think we've covered a whole lot of territory. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that you know there's a um I do I do write about this. So I have a book um called I Just Wanna Be Me Again. That's what I recommend to people to read first. My books are on a website of mine called menopausebooks.com. But I also I also want to emphasize the the importance of having support. Mm-hmm. Um we I don't know whether you remember it or it was certainly out when I was a young woman, a book called The Red Tent. And it was a fictionalized version of the nomadic tribes in the Middle East and how the women would be in a red, the red tent during their cycle, during their bleeding time, their, men, their periods. And the men would pretty much be left on their own, except for probably these menopausal women. Because our cycles do tend to to sink when we're living in a group like that. Yeah. But the women would 
would talk to one another. And so we passed down this wisdom from one to the next. Don't, don't get caught out by this. This is, this is a part of our lives. And the more that we embrace it, the easier it becomes. So I would recommend to women to talk about this with their, with their friends. If they get copies of the book and do a, re, a book club. I Somebody said to me that they were going to put my book, my book into their book club um, the other day. And I was delighted because they were a little bit younger women. And reading this, knowing about it, um, and I tried to make it, the, the, when I went through this, the, the book to read was The Wisdom of Menopause by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Oh, and yeah. it's about an inch and a half thick in eight point font. And it's loaded with scientific terminology that just gets so crazy making that it, I still use the book as a, as a reference guide. It's almost when, like a practitioner's book, isn't it? It's almost. Yeah. 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 And um, so when I wrote my book, my goal, goal was to make it very accessible to women of all ages so that they knew what was coming. And then I wrote one for spouses, um, which I called, where is my wife and what have you done with her? Because <laughs> that's what our husbands are saying. Yeah. And it it's because they don't, it, I mean, we know our own cycles and we, we got at least a little bit in biology. Um, back when we were, were first getting there. Um, but they, they don't have no, they, they have no idea. They think the baby is in the vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't got cervix. They don't got uterus. They don't yeah. got ovaries. They don't, they don't know at all, anything. So it's, it's an even more watered down version of an explanation for them. And it's an explanation, basically, of the fact that we need to men and women need to recourt one another when we get to this point. And if it's if you completely destroyed your relationship like I had with my first husband, by the time you get to get well into perimenopause, the relationship you create with a new spouse, and I do have a new spouse and we've gone through much of this is negotiated at a different level than it was when you were 20, which may not have been negotiated at all, by the way. Yeah. Um, but now that we're in our forties and fifties and beyond, we need to renegotiate our relationships so that we get what we need and he gets what he needs in that relationship. So that's uh I I also coach and and uh, do classes around this. So reach out to me through Facebook, um, the Menopause Guru, or yeah, it's actually just Menopause Guru on on Facebook or my website Menopause Guru. Yeah, and we'll exchange um, info for the show notes. I've already got yours, so I just need to write mine for your show. <laughs> um, and so hopefully all of your socials and everything are in are in those show notes, which we can look at afterwards. Yeah, please. Um, yes. It, so, but menopausebooks.com is where you can get the books. And it's, um, it's extremely important to come in knowing as much as you can. Um, yeah, I would agree. I say it's extremely important, other, but for generations of us, we didn't. And now we're paying for Having said that, when I was in my 20s, you could have said all of this and I would have just been, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably would still get caught out anyway. Um, yeah. I hope this has been really, because it, it. I just wanted the conversation to go where the conversation went, if you go, <laughs> because I think it's all um, information <laughs> helpful for people. Every woman goes through this in a, in her own way so yeah. I kind of thought it if we started going into specifics of all the different types of symptoms 
we're just not going to, one, that list is, is endless. And two, there'll be something we haven't covered that somebody's suffering exactly. with. In fact, the first the first version of the book, the first edition of I Just Want to Be Me Again, I left the symptom list out for that very reason. And in the second ver second edition, I had had so many people ask me so many questions about it that I did include my comprehensive at that time symptom list. And I've found two or three others since then. So it's certainly not exhaustive, but I just, I wanted women to know that here are things that if you run into them, they are very likely to be connected to these hormonal imbalances that come through menopause. So, yeah. And what's the most unusual symptom that you've come across? I think the one that scares, that scares the most people is heart palpitations. So feeling skipped beats or rapid beats or just funky beats in your heart. <laughs> Not in your dance, <laughs> but in your heart. <laughs> but feeling, you know, feeling like your heart's beating out of your chest or that you're skipping beats or something like that. We, it's not unusual. It's very common. But what happens is we run to the, ER because it's scary and they put us on halter monitors and they go through, you go through EEGs and all not EKGs and all of these diagnostics and they come along and they say I don't know your heart looks perfectly good to me yeah yeah right <laughs> thank you and and so the reason I say that is because if you know that palpitations is a symptom along with some of the other symptoms that, that can be very scary. If you know that it's a symptom and you go to the cardiologist or you go to the ER and you say, well, let's just check everything and make sure everything's working right, you get to relax. You get to not panic. You get to say, I'm pretty sure this is, this is perimenopause or menopause, but let's be sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the important thing. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I think this is a really informative conversation. So as I say, um, share, 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 because I think this um, is important for all women because we're all going to get there and um, it's, it can be quite a ride. So <laughs> thank you so thank much, you, Jackie. Jan. For uh, that this was, that was wonderful conversation. So much wisdom. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you. 